GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. Back on the rock and recovering after a high-profile excursion to La Linea, the young male macaque is under observation and doing well, according to vet Mark Pizarro, who'll join us in just a moment. And what to name the monkey? Ben Lynch and Radio Gibraltar are leading that conversation. We'll catch up with Ben also. It's Tinnitus Awareness Week. Tinnitus severely diminishes the quality of life for one in six people. Edgar Triay suffers from tinnitus and also heads the Hearing Issues and Tinnitus Association. And he'll be here to tell us about their Tea for Tinnitus campaign. But first, Together Gibraltar says the Chief Minister's response to criticism over the Principal Auditor's report is concerning check our previous podcasts in previous days for coverage of that report on the administration of public finances. So together, Gibraltar's verdict is that the attitude displayed by Fabian Picardo is a disservice to the hard work of the principal auditor, who has, according to the political party, been unequivocal about the mismanagement and poor value for money in the public service. And together, Gibraltar's Nick Calamaro is here. Good afternoon, Mr. Calamaro. Let's start with your overall impressions of the Principal Auditor's Report. This is Gibraltar Today. Uh, The Principal Auditor's Report has been making headlines all week. Tonight at 9.30, GBC's Viewpoint will take a deep dive. Ros Astengo will bring us uh, more stories contained within the Principal Auditor's Report and she'll also speak to the Chief Minister, Fabian Picardo, and the opposition leader, Keith Asobardi. And uh, Ros is here now in her capacity as Viewpoint producer and presenter. Good afternoon and, um, uh, you know, it's, it's been a big story. How have you gone about deciding what to report on in Viewpoint? Hi, Jonathan. Um, yeah, it's, it is a huge story, uh, which we've been covering over the past two weeks. And I think what we're trying to do is always have the public in our minds. So we look at the stories that we think the public want to know about. Ultimately, this is concerns uh, the the government spending of public monies. Um, So everyone should be interested in how that comes about. And that is essentially what the audit report is about. Um, So it's very difficult, 900 pages. What do we pick out? Well, we've picked out the ones that we think that the public are particularly interested in. We've already been reporting on some of those. So we've we've looked at the early uh, exit scheme. We've looked at um, the, uh, well, the Europa Tunnel which the GSD has also uh, done a press statement about. We've looked at uh, overtime and, and, and the such like and uh, other sort of what perceived abuses, let's say, um, or mistakes. And that is essentially what the principal auditor is there to do. To try and ensure public... Uh, the public uh, monies that are spent are good value for money. Yeah. Now, look, any company gets an audit, okay? And what an audit will do is it will pick out anomalies, mistakes. Um, it will pick out perhaps processes that need improving. And that's the whole point of an, an audit. And you use that to improve uh, your processes. So, um, you know, it's it's a it's a very thorough audit. It is a snapshot. Uh, a test sampling is, is how the auditor goes about doing it. He doesn't look at every single account. We're talking about thousands and thousands of accounts and um, 
you know, transactions. It's impossible for them to look at all of it. So they look at a snapshot uh, and that's essentially what they base their analysis on. So, yeah, so we, we, we report on the stories that we think the public want to know about and we disseminate that on behalf of, of the public. That's what we're here for. And we heard him, um, I mean, most of it is sort of critical and, and pointing at uh, things that might need improvement, but we also heard him express uh, satisfaction that the collection of housing arrears is generally moving or has been moving in, in the right direction. Absolutely, huh? and, and there are other instances in the report where he highlights uh, things that are working well, but essentially, let's not forget, that's not what the audit is there for. And he has said in his report that he does restrict himself to reporting on matters he considers to be significant or that constitutes an actual or potential loss of public resources, a lack of financial control, an impairment of accountability and a breach of or non-compliance with legislative or other requirements. So that in itself is going to cover, uh, colour the report. So it, it does make it look like it's all very, very one-sided. But what, we, what I wanted to do with the Chief Minister uh, in my interview with him today is give him a chance to respond to some of the concerns that were raised in the report. Uh, report and I don't want to go into any detail of what he said to me I'd like people to tune into Viewpoint tonight but as you can imagine Jonathan he and the leader of the opposition Keith Asapadi have very different views on these and I think it's up to the public to make up their mind you know who convinces them the most that's we're not there to to make any judgment we're just putting the information out there and um and and, and the public will have to make up their own mind okay and have you spoken to the principal auditor himself tony sacramento i have and you know i've not come across tony sacramento before um i called him up and he invited me into his office and i must say he was a very pleasant person it was lovely to meet him and his staff and he really really did stress the independence of the office and that is so important for our democracy that he is able to get on with the um, get on with the job. I mean, there has been some controversy over the delays in 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 tabling this uh, report into in Parliament, and uh, I do uh, speak to the Chief Minister about it. He's spoken already about it in public, but I challenge him a little bit further on that. And um, you know, but ultimately, the report has been published. It is very uh, thorough. It makes for uncomfortable reading at times, but. You know, there's there's no sense that anything is hidden. It's all it's all there. It's all there for us to see, and uh, and I and I think the aim is to take what we see and make sure that these things are improved on. I mean, that's the whole point of an audit. Yeah, sure. And I suppose some of the things that uh, that the principal auditor highlights are, are things that perhaps people had spoken about in in recent years. And but but sort of didn't have the details on, and and now they see it in full. Technicolor described in, in, in detail yes. uh, by the principal auditor who's looked at those issues very carefully and given uh, the you know heads of department, financial secretary, etc., a chance to, to help him um, you know build up as, as comprehensive a picture as possible of those you know issues that need to be improved on. Yes, I mean he has access to a lot more documentation than let's say the opposition would have access to. Um, Keith Azapardi would say that they have been raising some of these issues, concerns over contracts, for example, Medoc, and uh, there's, they've also uh, released a press statement over the past 24 hours about these tunnel at Europa, uh, and it's, the, it's those processes there that they've, they've raised concerns. 
even if they've not had specific details of those, you know, the minutiae of, of those contracts. Uh, that is something that I've also put to the Chief Minister tonight, and uh, he's responding He's responding to those um, criticisms and concerns. It's fair to say as well that the Chief Minister and the Principal Auditor don't particularly see IT eye to eye on all issues um, one of the one of the matters that I discuss with uh, Tony Sacramento is something that he's included in his report and that is the independence of the office and the influence that um, there could be potentially be should the staff no longer be ring fenced there so that is an issue that I've again put to the Chief Minister today to get his view on that because uh, Tony Sacramento um, was very clear on his position on that and I also asked uh, the leader of the opposition what his thoughts are but certainly I think in terms of a tax-paying public and in terms of the audit office um, it, it is vital for democracy that those audits are carried out and uh, and that's exactly what has happened. Okay, brilliant. And you'll be joined by uh, the uh, former GBC News editor Stephen Niche for analysis of some of the stories within the Principal Auditor's report. And um, fair to say that he wrote quite a, a number of them for GBC. He has. He's been leading on it, really, on, on our reporting with this. He's done a huge amount of work on, on, on the report. So he'll be providing far more analysis than I, I will. But also because his, uh, his experience, with, political experience, goes back decades and decades so he has that depth that he can bring to the program as well and he's you know he's independent so it's very it's very difficult to get people to speak on a panel on a subject like this because it has become very politicized so you do want to pe- you do want people who are going to speak independently and give the, that analysis and and Stephen Nish is certainly going to give us that tonight all right Ros I'm conscious that you've got a, a lot of work to crack on with your phone seems like it's red hot uh, so we'll let you get <laughs> sorry back. it's been buzzing Back to it. Thanks Uh, very much. Viewpoint at 9.30 on GBC Television tonight. Uh, Thank you for whetting the appetite, Rosa Stengel. You're welcome. Tinnitus Awareness Week is an annual event. It, of course, helps to raise awareness about tinnitus, which is a common condition characterised by the perception of noise or ringing in the ears. It could sound something like this. Different people experience it differently, uh, but uh, Tinnitus Awareness Week uh, encourages us to talk about the condition and also to talk about what support might be needed for those affected and also to promote research into effective treatments. And today we're going to continue the conversation that we started yesterday with Edgar Triay. Anselmo Torres is here. Good afternoon, Anselmo. Hi, good afternoon, Jonathan. And, and you're here to tell us about your late wife, Grace, and her tinnitus journey. So that's correct. Um, Tinnitus is a broad spectrum of, you know, afflictions because it can start anywhere. The main source, obviously, is loud sounds and noises. When we talk about noises, I mean, you know, retorts from guns, sirens, um, you know, anything sharp, factory noises and sounds, mainly music. Although we say music is, you know, is good. But music can be dangerous also. So it, yeah, if you're at a nightclub next to a speaker, which is filling the room with music, but you're, you know, sort of 50 centimetres away from it, you, you're likely to be in trouble. No? That's correct. A lot, of, a lot of people come out, especially youth, come out of the discos and say, oh, I've got like a ringing, you know, oh, you know. But then, you know, luckily enough, it goes away in the morning. But when 
people have it and it stays there day in, day out. You wake up with it and you go to bed with it. Then it's a different story. Now, uh, my experience with it, obviously, because I started from the very beginning, I also helped Edgar with the setting up of the Gita at the very beginning. The Hearing Issues and Tinnitus Association. That's correct, yes, because Grace had it. She got it very young. Very young age, you know, in her early twenties. One day, she she was having a, a a bath, a shower, and uh, she came out, you know, as women do, and they rubbed. She had washed her hair, and she rubbed the towel around it, you know, the ring. It, for instance, she had her head down, and when she came up, she said, "I've got like a ringing in my ears." It was a ringing there. Okay, maybe it goes off. Sometimes we we put it down to ear wax or to something else, and uh, that prolonged over the years. Unfortunately, that didn't go away the next day, but it stayed there and, and, and it increased in intensity until it became an acute, an acute sort of condition for her. We cannot say an illness, but a condition. And uh, obviously, I went all over the place. I went to the specialists, the best specialists in Germany, did, in did Belgium. You know, did Sorry. you and Grace know what it was immediately? Did you identify it as tinnitus? I didn't identify it as tinnitus because I didn't know anything about it then. I I knew a little bit because I had I have a little bit of a medical background myself, and um, I started investigating obviously because I wanted to help as maximum because I couldn't see her you know, as it got worse over the years, the suffering that she was going through you know this this was causing a lot of you know different uh, you know afflictions in her normal life in her working life, uh, in her house life with the children, um, with noises, so I got myself into it quite a bit and. Um, I talked to, to specialists both online, on the web, on the phone, and I actually visited places, you know, in UK, in Belgium, as I mentioned, and in Germany, the top people at the, at the time, which were very helpful in, in trying to find ways. Um, the problem starts that when you damage your, your ear, which is the, the most basic form, it starts in the ear, but it can start if you have an accident, you bang your head, you fall, your back, the vertebrae, the bones... In your face and your jaw can sometimes produce that because they are connected to the right, ear. Right, I didn't know that. See, it does, it does, it does produce it, and those can can be cured in a, in a certain form. But those can produce it. But the ones in the ear, what happens is that in the cochlea we have the hair cells. It's it's a solid, shut down organ. You cannot open it. You can't do anything to it, right? And the hair cells are there in a vacuum. And they move around to produce the, the sound. Right. In tinnitus people, what happens is when you damage them, is the hair cells have a normal resting position where there's no, there's no sound. Right. Then they move one way or another. With the sound. With the sound. But in tinnitus people, they stay locked in in the certain position which they are vibrating and producing a sound. So now, producing sound when other people wouldn't hear the sound. Wouldn't hear it. So they have a sound produced all the time. That goes to the brain. Now, that people say, if we have it in our ear, no. Eventually, the brain takes over and the sound is produced inside the brain. The, the plasticity of the brain is such that this sound has to be processed by the brain. Any sound that comes into the ears is processed. But with the tinnitus, what happens is that the brain has created a database since we are born young, where you assimilate a visual picture to a sound, your mother's voice to her face, a sound of a car, a sound of a rattle, anything, and you start assimilating, creating this database, which the brain starts accumulating. Now, when tinnitus, what happens, this sound goes to the brain, the brain says, this sound is rubbish, this sound is not good. It actually, the brain clears it, but what happens, the sound comes up again. 
and it produces a loop and it's a vicious circle. The sound comes in, the loop, the sound is thrown away, it comes in again and it's thrown away, it's coming in and it's around the circle loop. So that's why it cannot be stopped. Now, the research that's going on is to find ways of going into the audio cortex where they know, they know the areas now nowadays, but with technology, obviously, this will happen, whereby they can go deep inside, enough deep inside with electron microscopes and, you know, computer technology, aided scanners and so forth, where they can find the wiring, where this wiring is producing this sound and it's linking it to that, and they can cut it. So there's hope. There's hope for the people in the future, yes, with the new technology advancing. There's also pharmaceutical products out there which help help to reduce it. But at the same time, because, you know, Grace has tried them all, she, she tried the, the whole show. The, it affects your other systems in the body, actually puts you a bit slower there. But it does reduce because what these pharmaceutical products do is they go in between the different transmitters, the neuron transmitters, in your brain. and block it and try and block the passage of sounds. The sound becomes less intense. It's slower, but it has a sudden effect on yourself. And obviously the... The most frequently one used today nowadays are the maskers, the masking sounds, either white noise you can use, you can use sounds from nature, water is very effective, ripples, streams, where it calms you down a little bit and you more or less mask that sound and you can take care of your day. So that, It doesn't make sense. That is to actually have, for example, white noise playing in the background to, 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 to mask the, the, the tinnitus, your perceived the sound, tinnitus exactly, sound. Because the tinnitus sound... You don't actually get rid of it, and the masking has to be... It's not over the top, it's just slightly below the sound, but it makes the brain sort of, you know, be a little bit less concentrated on the tinnitus sound and see this new... starts processing this masking sound. So it more or less hides it for, for you, and you can get on with the day. Obviously, the, the influence of this is stress, because people wake up and go to bed at night, and they're hearing any stressful situation will increase this tremendously. It also has the effect on your hearing. You will get hearing loss. That's definitely. Patients with tinnitus will get hearing loss as, if they progress, and they become acute sufferers of tinnitus. Mm. And that is a problem, because when you get hearing loss, you lose it in your high frequencies, right? And... Uh, the masking has to be lower down, and you have to start after wearing hearing aids for that. There are hearing aids with masking at the same time, amplifying normal sounds so mm -hmm. you can hear, but they also mask. You have white noise incorporated into it, which you can, uh, you know, compensate for that and actually adjust it to, to right. the sounds. Interesting. I mean, you, you sound like a, a subject matter expert, I have to say, Anselmo. Uh, I, in fact, I am. Not, not just to, to, you know, to You don't need to blow your own trumpet. Exactly. I don't think trumpet is your, is your... It's just because I had out of necessity, Jonathan. It was out of necessity because I saw my, my wife suffer so much with this. So, so much. You can imagine, you know, even wanting to die. I have friends who have so, committed suicide because of this. And I have stories because, you know, it can get so bad. It can get so bad and so out of control in some people that it's, you know, it's a sorry state. It's, it's like, like cancer. It's, it's, you know, the research, as you mentioned before, it's, you know, unfortunately, it started very late. Not like cancer, which has been going on for long. When they realized that this was a serious problem, especially the problems that the military had in America and in Israel. Funnily enough, in Israel, they had a lot of problems because of the wars and the, the, the shooting with the guns, you know, the, the gunnery people involved, the sergeants, people involved in the ranges, you know, 
suffering tremendously. And imagine. the governments were spending a lot of money in paying compensation. So, so, so they, so they are know, trying to get to the bottom of it now. They no? started, you know, the American Tennis Association is a very big, uh, you know, organization, and, they, and they, you can find information there about this. Right. Why well, they started research on that. Thank you so much for joining us today, Anselmo Torres, to, to talk about uh, Tinnitus Awareness Week and, and your experiences of it with your late wife, uh, Grace, who we all uh, were so, so fond of. This is Gibraltar Today. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, GBC is thrilled to announce auditions for a new young children's programme. The public broadcaster is looking for someone who embodies enthusiasm, charisma and fun. And here to tell us more is the show's producer, Amy the Soysa. Hello. What a lovely idea. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> We've been working on it for a while. Uh, Lizanne Figueres and I, um, for the past year, we've sort of been brainstorming... Um, you know, doing research on what sort of programming is out there currently. And we thought it would be nice to sort of bring back uh, TV for kids in, in GBC because uh, everyone thinks very fondly of like the Magic Garden. And, totally. And there's a lot of memories there and nostalgia. And now with the exhibition, people or loads of people were saying, oh my God, I really want like a kids program back. That's something that's missing. And sort of um, now it's just a time where we thought, well, we're going to start off with a pilot and see from there. We're going probably on in, in September. Okay. But auditions are for a new presenter. Um, What's the response been like? It's incredible. To be honest, most of the department are shocked. I'm not shocked because I know that, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, um, it's a great opportunity. But uh, yeah, we've had like 30 plus applicants already and people of all skill set and really enthusiastic and excited sending us in the um, bid, the show reels and like you know introducing them to the camera is very it's really nice. fun. it's a really fun like position to be in to be sort of taking on the additions stuff. so so you're spoiled for choice by the sounds of it that way that I see yeah and it's a good chance for us to see what's out there the, the local talent um sort of new faces that they might not necessarily be right for this program, but we could use them for other things in the future. Uh, it's just good to see what sort of talents out there and, you know, yeah, just yeah, get new faces on GBC. Okay, so are, if somebody's listening to this and they've been thinking about it, are applications for that presenter role still open? Yes, until uh, the 18th of February. Uh, GBC.gi, there's an additions page. Uh, just fill in the form. And yeah, just tell us why you why you think you might be the right person for the job. What uh, skills do you ha um, can you offer? Um, we're going to be setting. We're currently in the process of designing a set. So nice. Our sort of philosophy is that we want to have like a set where it's like free play. The kids can come and sort of play and interact with the presenter. Um, so we're sort of the camera is more like the fly on the wall. We want to see like the kids having fun, um, seeing how they converse with one another. And the presenter will obviously have a chance to create these activities, arts and crafts. And then we also want to have little features um, that go alongside the program. Um, maybe like a wellness or a yoga feature, bedtime stories to wind the kids down before bed. And also like a local angle because, you know, I have two young kids and most of the stuff they watch is sort of, you know. International. International, yeah. And, you know, accents from all over and stuff. And it'd be nice to just have something that's for the local community, you know, local language, have a, a section of uh, Spanish or Janito, um, local history, and just make it like child friendly. Um, so that's something that you can only find here in Gibraltar, 
excuse me, for the local community. Nice. Yeah. So you mentioned Magic Garden, which we had in the past. Does this kids' program have a name yet? It's uh, in in conversation, but maybe keeping it to the Magic Garden as well. Yes, yeah. I vote Magic Garden. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really popular. People are like, oh, it's nostalgic. Like, like it's you know. Maybe I was once on the Magic Garden. Now I can bring my own kids to the program. Uh, I think it's just really nice and sort of keeping it within the community. And yeah, there's obviously it's, it's that that program's really touched people's hearts. So, so parents will be able to apply to um, have their children be part of the program. Yeah, yeah. So right now we're just working on the pilot. So we'll probably have our own children on and just you know a controlled environment. Um, but we'll have probably like four or five kids at a time. And maybe we'll encourage people to come in like small groups so the kids already know each other and sort of they're comfortable with one another. Um, so, yeah, there, there will be an application form in due course for for, for participants. Exciting. And we'll maybe create like little certificates for the kids so it'll, it'll be like... Yeah, uh, can live on their yeah. wall in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we're looking at um, children aged... Uh, say four to seven, yeah, realistically. Yeah, any younger, probably a bit too young to be on camera. Could be quite overwhelming, enough for some kids. True, true, um, brilliant. Okay, so um, so the next step then is to is to find a presenter who will sort of link this all together. Yeah, uh, auditions are still open. If somebody is interested, what should they do? GBC.gi auditions. Uh, it's more a freelance position. So as and when we'll require, um, we'll probably block uh, film a bunch of episodes. And yeah, on our website, just send us a, a, a video explaining why you want the job, a headshots, and yeah, just Take good luck. Letter. Yeah, best of luck <laughs> to everyone. Um, some really positive feedback online as well um, on on the on I think the post that uh, GBC Television did on Facebook. Jerry said, "Amazing, Leanne, yay! Glad to see some kids' <laughs> programming coming back. Magic Playground and Susan's Corner were a core part of growing up in the eighties and nineties." And Nicole says, "About time! I have amazing memories Aww. of um, of the Magic Garden." That's lovely. That's lovely. We do hope that we can create memories again for the new generation of young kids to come and be able to be part of GBC. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much uh, to Amy the Soysa, who's the show's producer, uh, for joining us today. And I can't wait to see more. I love the colours on the television advert already. It's looking lovely. <laughs> Very bright. Yeah. <laughs> thank All right. you. Well, thank you for joining us, Amy. Uh, ben Lynch is going to join us in the studio uh, to talk about uh, naming the monkey. And I think on the line, uh, have we got the Environment Minister, John Cortez, available? You have, indeed. Good, good afternoon, uh, Dr. Hello. Cortez. How, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. And well. uh, and and what do you what do you make of this uh, monkey business and uh, the fact that we uh, are trying to to find a name for our young adventurer who who headed over to La Linea? I I think it's great, and I, I I really love the way GBC has embraced this, and the whole community has responded to to this macaque that has made the news. Um, I think it's a great initiative. So I'm really looking forward to the decision on the name, quite frankly. All right, well, Ben Lynch is uh, is looking after this for Radio Gibraltar, and, and he's here in the studio with us. Good afternoon, Ben. Yeah, no, no pressure. <laughs> um, How's it looking? It's, I mean, we've, we've been inundated with suggestions. I think the uh, last count was about 80, 80 suggestions for names. And... Um, 
I think what what we're really looking for is is the why. I think that's quite important. Um, so to have a name with a reason. Yeah, I, I, what I'm imagining, and I'm, I'm trying to put myself in the in the shoes of a, a tour guide or a taxi driver who are going to point out this macaque at some point and going, that's the one that um, crossed the border into La La Lina and uh, he's named this because of that. Um, And so the why, I think, is is, is very important Um, and it's it's tough trying to narrow it down. And uh, I've got... I've got a short list now of about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about eight. I'm down to eight. Can you share them? Um, well, you're going to do it. You're going to do it shortly on we're, we're on gonna, Radio Gibraltar. We're, the, the big announcement is going to be after uh, after four o'clock. Uh, I, I'm curious to know what um, what Dr. John Cortez thinks. So, has, has, has Dr. John Cortez got any suggestions or any well, criteria? I, I think I'll keep it to myself, but. But I, I was watching you yesterday, and, and one thing that did interest me are these typical words that we use in Gibraltar and La Linea. That really appealed to me. I totally uh, agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah That's d- quite d- unique. No, uh, no, nobody suggested but, any of those. <laughs> those, co- well, those came from me, and so I don't really know you, if I can... But, but the way that both sides work so closely together, I think that, that we all learned from that. Um, and that's an interesting one, but, but there have been so many really interesting suggestions. As I say, I think it's great how the community has responded to this. I've been doing some research as well, and um, apparently back in the day, every single new infant uh, was named when they were seen by, uh, by officers, and uh, lots of them named after like a, a governor or a brigadier or a high-ranking official. So uh, I'm, I'm leaning towards that kind of thing as well. That's as well. The, traditionally, that was the case. You had monkeys named after ministers, governors, uh, brigadiers, and, and so on. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a tough decision, and I'm feeling the, the pressure. How are you going to do this? Are you going to put it to the vote, or what? What? Um, I I <laughs> I, I think I think democratically, I think that would be the right thing to do. But I think there are so many differing opinions that uh, I think we we might just need to make a, a definitive decision. Well, we we're happy to name it whatever you guys decide, as uh, you've. Uh, embrace this challenge <laughs> thank you thank you very much <laughs> all right so so we'll stay tuned to radio gibraltar and ben lynch will continue that conversation and hopefully be able to to make a decision but thank you so much for your input today environment minister john cortez my pleasure always available thank you. <laughs> and thank you ben lynch and um and, and we can't wait to to see where this goes and where it where it ends up i mean i i sense the pressure yeah i i'd just like to say thank you to uh to our, our listeners for for just getting involved and engaging with us on this because it's it's been fantastic to hear from everybody thanks for listening to those highlights from gibraltar today i'm kelly and borge the show's producer we're live on radio gibraltar monday to friday from one to two getting behind the headlines and you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.